All right, and this is what I, you know, as I'm going through scripture, um, here's what I want you to, last, last week I was sharing with you um, just John, John 17, you know, in the roughly 20, 22, that area where he says, the glory that was mine, I've given to who? Us. See, most of us think about this. He's, again, it's just perception how I was brought up. And, and if you already understand this, that's great. But it's really revelation to me more and more where I viewed God, how I always looked at God was he's God almighty, but I'm this little guy over here. Is that, is that fair, Michael? Yeah. And so we looked at him as the glory of God and this huge thing. But John, if you read John, you know, 14 through 17, that whole passage there, like Baxter's favorite verses, in that day when I send my spirit of sonship, the, the true baptism of the spirit, meaning that when I'm immersed in this idea that I'm a son, that's the baptism of the spirit is, is really if you understand it. Because the only thing left after all the gifts and everything, he goes, those are all great, those are fun. Um, but there's something way much bigger, it's way better, and it's his love, because that's the thing that is everything. And he says, when you get that spirit of sonship, you're going to realize you can call him daddy. Now, to a Jewish mind, like I said, that is everything. Because to a Jew, when you call him dad, that means you're a fully matured son, you're bar mitzvah, you've been accepted as a son. And if you've been accepted as a son, that means you had full inheritance of the father's possessions. That if I entered into a business transaction, I'll probably read that again. It was really hitting me again today as I was putting this together. If I was a son in a Jewish family and, I, and I've become a son where I'm fully mature, I'm not just a, a, a nepios yet, a little child in Greek, but I'm a fully mature son, that means, Michael, if I made a business deal with you, you don't even even ask the father. The father guarantees the, whatever the son does because we're one. He says, if my son did it, then I do it too. And that's what he's trying to get us to understand. He goes, when I send that spirit of sonship you're going to realize you can call him dad. You can call him Abba Father. The loving father is really the Abba. this endearing term like daddy God, daddy father. And so by the time you get to John 17, then he talks about this. He goes, when they get this spirit of sonship, all of this is in context. He says, then you're going to realize that just as the father and I are, how many? One. Then they're going to realize that they are one with us. And the glory you've given me, this is Jesus saying, the glory that you've given me, and that's that word doxa, it's literally the creative splendor of God, the weightiness of God. He goes, the weightiness of God, who I am, the God Almighty, the full splendor, this glory I've also given to us so that we will be one as well. You guys, so when we, Jesus you know, the scriptures say this, if you've seen Jesus in a physical body, what have you seen? The fullness of the Godhead in a body. Now, if we're one, so if they look at you, when you look at yourself in the mirror, what are you seeing? The fullness of God in a body. <laughs> Where he says, I'm in a tabernacle in a skin tent. That's the tabernacle of David, basically. My presence, my anointing, everything I am, I'm going to be put into a skin tent, you and I. Hallelujah, man, that's so cool. So anyway, I just want to read this, Ephesians 4. Um, I'm just trying to get to this identity thing, like who, who we really are. <clears throat> so here's, uh, here's Paul, obviously, talking to the, the church at Ephesus. So he says, um, there's one body, there's one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. Now that calling is surnamed. You're, there's only one family is what he's talking about. There's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism. How many of you guys have been, hear people argue about the both baptisms forever and ever? Like, read Paul. There's one. There's one. 
It says there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. It's that same word, pas. He goes, there's only one Father, so he's given birth to everyone, and he's above all and through all and in how many? All. So it's not this idea that you and I were brought up with. He jumped into us when we said some words. It was this revelation that been hidden for ages that he's been in you all the time. And it's just finally being revealed that you're a son and you're one. So he says, but everyone, every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Therefore, he says, when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is, what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts. He that descended is the same also that ascended up for all, far above all the heavens that he might feel all things. So here's what he's, here's what in Paul's writings, if you see him, he, he leaves no gray, is what Paul always does. He goes, he's the one that ascended, he's the one that descended, so that all would be in all, meaning that he's everywhere all the time, you can't get away. Does that make sense? And he, Paul, in his other writings too, he talks about things in the heavens, things on earth, and things the below earth, because to a Jewish mind, again, there was nothing else. It was the heavens, it was what you, what you had on earth, and then there was the lower parts, Gehenna, the lower parts of the earth, where all the bad stuff is, so in their opinion, he goes, he's even there. Right? So whatever your concept of hell is, the Jews, Paul is telling, he's there. So that's kind of an interesting thing. So, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the perfecting of the saints. That word perfecting is, means we're supposed to present you perfect, meaning that you're complete. There's nothing left. It's teleos. So we're supposed to, you can't become it. We're supposed to tell you you're perfect because you're one with him is what he's saying here. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. And that's intimacy that he's a son. <clears throat> unto the complete man, it says the perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now here's where it really gets interesting to me. So what, what ministry's job is what he's saying is for every one of you to realize that you're perfect in him just as he is perfect because there's only one body. Are you guys with me so far? Okay. Then he says, that we henceforth will be no more nepios, meaning you're not bar mitzvahed yet. Because under the law, it says you're still under a, traitor, a trainer. We don't trust you yet with this, the, good, the, the perfect news, because you still think you get it by doing something, right, under the law. Because you're, so you're still a child. We can't trust you with this good news yet. <laughs> so we henceforth will be no more nepios, tossed about to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness where they lie in wait to deceive. <clears throat> now this is where it's really interesting. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into him all things which is the head, even Christ. So... He's saying, what, what is Christ? So I think we, we just, it rolls off our tongue. It's Jesus Christ. What is Christ? It's literally the anointing, the anointed one. It's the Messiah. And he says, you are to grow up into the Messiah himself, if you read it. Well, if you're one, isn't that what we're supposed to be like? The whole body fit jointly together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying in its love itself. I think that's amazing. Speaking the truth in love, we grow up into him all things, which is the head, we grow up into the anointed one himself. Paul's got some serious stuff, doesn't he? Now when I'm reading it, I'm going, oh my gosh, this is so good. How did we miss this stuff? 
So what Paul's trying to do is he goes, listen, I'm trying to get you, we're all trying to wait for something to happen. Like we're, once I get to heaven, then I'm gonna, something's gonna be great. And so all the tears are gonna go away and all this stuff. And he's like, no way. We're supposed to present every man perfect in Christ right now. And the, the work of the ministry is to build all of you up into the anointed one himself as if you're one. Isn't that good? That's Paul, it's not me. So don't yell at me. And what's happening is people are starting to get it. People are starting to get their identity. And, and people are just believing for crazy things right now, which is a lot of fun. Because if all things are possible, then why don't we do all things? Is, is Jesus capable of doing all things? Like the God you learned about. And if we're one, perfect, complete in him, we're a fully mature son. Um, let me just read that again, if I have it real quick. To a Jew, I've, I found this... Uh, I was just reading some Jewish um, writings, etc. So when he says, if you're going to be thrown around by doctrines, and in today's world, I would look at it this way, is when you see discrepancies in Scripture or perceived discrepancies or go, well, I believe this or I believe that. And what about this? And all the whatabouts and what ifs and yeah buts, right? He goes, those are, those are doctrines of men. Those are perfectly crafted things. Cunningness will just... It's deception is really what it is. He goes, once you get that you're a son, you're not going to be tossed around anymore by any message less than that. Got it? So if you're a son to a Jewish mind, let me tell you what a son is. This is what a son is in general. When a child is declared to be a man's son, not nepios, what he says, if you're still being tossed around by doctrines and what about this, what about that, here's how I would look at it. If you're still debating theology, whether who's right or who's wrong versus if I've seen Jesus, if I've seen any one of you, I'm supposed to tell you you're totally complete as a perfectly loved son and daughter. Jesus is your true identity. What Jesus does, you do. And what Jesus is, you are. Any other thing is nothing, is what Paul says. It's just craftiness. It's deceit. It's doctrines. It's craziness. So <clears throat> that, then, you're still not, then you're not still a full son ready to be bar mitzvah. So when a child was declared to be a man's son, he was from that point on considered to be equal in all business matters with his father. This was not bestowed on children, but when the father either considered his son old enough to take over family affairs or himself too old to handle himself any longer. From that time on, a child was declared as the son. However, he was from that time forth to be considered as the very image of the father. So when you guys, what Paul's saying here is when you show up, you're the very image of the father. Now, this is where, this is awesome. In other words, if he made a business deal, you could consider that deal as if the father himself made it. He was the son and thus the official representative of the father. Not a decision he could make, which did not mean that his father was also bound to it. He now was his father's representative and was authorized to speak for his father in all things. Therefore, it was unnecessary to hear the son and the father's opinions on the matter. If the son made the decision, and that's the way it is, and consulting the father was no longer, un, was no longer necessary because he's a son. Is that good? Hallelujah, man. That, not, now when you read this stuff and you're like, you're a son, when you get it, when that spirit descends on you, you're going to realize I'm in you, he's in me, we're one, and the same glory that Jesus had, Father, give that glory to all of us so that they know that we are one. Mm, mm, mm. Your prayer life changes, in my opinion. <laughs> and it really is changing with a lot of people. So I want you to listen to something. And uh, it's... Uh, uh, oh, it's... it's uh, some of you guys have listened to this probably, but it's, I want you to catch this. this I'll, I'll, I'll set it in pretense. So it's, some of you guys have heard Neville before, and I don't care what you think or don't, don't think. He's got some things that are, that are interesting ideas. But his stuff on prayer is spot on. 
And they, they did some ridiculous manifestations. So I want you to hear this testimony. He's talking about his, his son, or his son, his brother, and how he literally created this magnificent business with no capital, no money, no ideas, no, no uh, anything but simply prayer. So you can hit that, Logan. You imagine yourself having a marvelous business. And then comes the day a building is for sale, and you haven't a nickel told. And a total, not a total stranger, but a man comes in and asks you quite in a friendly manner, are you going to buy it? And knowing you don't have a penny, you say to him, as you would a friend to a friend, with what? And then he said, well, I have money. It's only in the bank drawing nothing. You say, well, I have no collateral. But he said, I watch you. You're an honest person. Your family, they're honest. I think they are. Would you like me to buy it for you? Get my lawyer to bid for it. If they knew that I'm bidding, that I have money, they'll bid me up. And so I get it at the very lowest price by getting a lawyer who represents more than one client, and they do not know who he represents, and he'll bid for it. Are you willing to take it regardless of the price? And you say, yes, I'll take it. But I have no collateral. All I need is your signature, that you will simply pay 6% on whatever the price is, and then reduce that principle over a period of 10 years. Agreed? Yes. But then sign this, and we'll see if we can buy it. That day, you owned the building. And you didn't have one nickel when you owned the building that day. You only had your signature on a piece of paper. At the end of 10 years, you repaid the man his principal. You reduce it every year, paying him 6% on the remaining principal, and reduce the entire thing at the end of 10 years. That man dies 20 years later and leaves you 150000 in cash, tax-free, and a couple of homes and many personal belongings. In the meanwhile, you continue in that business, and it multiplies and multiplies. And that year was 1922, 1924. This is now 1968. That building, I'm speaking factually, that building in 1924 is now gone. He paid only $50,000 for it. It was repaid and repaid. A bank three years ago bought the property, because the building was rotted, bought the property for $840,000 in cash and no capital gain. From $50,000 to $840,000. In the meanwhile, the business has expanded into all the other islands, so that today you couldn't buy them out for $15 million. All in imagination. And this goes back to the imagination that preceded this man's offer to buy the building. For the young man, seeing this building and entertaining a thought that the present owners deceived his father and through deception got him out of a partnership, a junior partnership, and he was moved, not to get even, but to prove that he really had something within him and could be a success in spite of their deception. And so, every day he would see on that marquee, not their name, but his own family's name. And he would see it in his mind's eye because you could not take their name and transliterate it and make it spell this man's family's name. But he saw it, and in his mind's eye he saw that name which, if true, would imply the family owned it. He did it every day, twice a day, for two years. 
And then came this sudden, out of the nowhere. And the whole thing was made possible, and today they're all over the islands. And they have no partners. They've never taken in one partner, never sold one bit of stock outside of a family ownership. All by imagination. Now, I know what I'm talking about because I am a member of that family. I'm speaking of my own family. This is not hearsay. I know it. My second brother, Victor, was the one in whose imagination this whole thing began to bloom. Okay, let me tell you what's going on. So here's what he's talking about. So he's talking about his brother, and he says, we didn't have a name. We didn't have connections. We didn't have a nickel to our name. He said, all I did in my imagination was picture a magnificent business. So in the morning and at night, he would see his family name on this building as if that's the, the, the company. And so that's all he did. And then one day this, this guy who, who knew the family but they had no idea what the brother was doing says, hey, would you like to buy that building? He goes, I don't have a dime. How am I going to do it? He goes, well, I've got money. I've watched you. Why don't you just do this? He, he wrote up a note. says, you pay me 6% over 10 years and reduce the note. And then... Uh, uh, We'll have it. And so he started that. If you continue in this, he, he talks about it. He goes, so all my brother did, even to this day, if there was something he wanted for his business that he thought was good for a business, he would just, in his mind, picture it as if it's already done and believe that it was already done, that he's divine, that he's a creator. Now, so they bought it for 50000 and uh, and that was 1924. 1968, they actually sold the building to Nova Scotia Bank for $840,000. Now, some of you guys are business guys. I want to read this. So um, in today's dollars, I was just, some of you guys know the time value of money. And so this is what I love. What's going on here? Thoughts become things. That's really what, if you reduce the secret of the kingdom of God, if you reduce quantum physics, everything about it, it says what you focus on, the observer effect becomes real. Everything's a potential up until then. All things are possible. And then you choose. He says, I've set before you life and death. So do what with it? Choose what you want, right? And then I'll go into the, the kingdom and the seed in a little bit here. But uh, so I, I just wrote, it's pretty cool to me. So um, as a mustard seed, Jesus comes along and he says, listen, if you understand the secret of the kingdom of God, your heart is like soil. And what you believe, what you plant in your heart is what you're going to experience. Doesn't he say that? And this is what's interesting. He says, if you don't understand this parable, you're not going to understand anything I say. So I see a lot of people running around that have no idea. They're, they're, what about this scripture? What about that scripture? I go, everything has to bow to that. Is if they get it, like everything's within. The kingdom's within. The anointing's within. The power of God is within. The, the glory of God is one with you. It's, it's really a fascinating thing. So this guy had no, um, let me find my notes. I just did some quick math. Some of you guys are good at this. But So um, <clears throat> I said with no capital, no money, no connections, all he had was his, everything he had was divinity. He understood who he was. He, could, he knew that what I picture in my mind will materialize. It's really a fascinating thing. So uh, he simply saw his name on a building. and he, he would look at that morning and night in his mind's eye, not with his physical eyes. And the man approached him and, and uh, bought the building for him for 50 grand. Now he paid it off. And so in 1968, I'm just going to say 1970 to make my math easy, 800,000, even though it was 840,000. Some of you guys know, like every 10 years roughly, you can double with the time value of money. So what is that in today's dollars? We had nothing, and all he said is he could picture himself owning a magnificent business, 
Didn't go to college, didn't go to business school, didn't have any capital, didn't have anything that we're supposed to do, right? But he understood his divinity, which is everything to me. And so, so 1970, so 1980, 800,000, if you double it, would be worth what? 1.6 million. 1980 would be worth 3.2 million. 1990 would be worth 6.4. 2000 would be worth 12.8. I'm trying to do this one. Uh, 2010, be 25.6. Did I miss one? Or did I skip one already? Am I good so far? So then what is that? 25.6 would be 53.2. Is that right? 51.2. So $51.2 million, and all he had was in the imagination. Is that good? That sounds like he will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we think or ask, isn't it? I, I just think that's awesome. So anyway, i just like to share this stuff with you because... As, as we really start to do this, like, I'm, I'm just trying to really explain, as I'm looking at Scripture, everything now is jumping out at me and going, this is all the same message. Everywhere through Scripture is all the same message, just coming at it from different angles. So anyway, if we can just hit that first slide, Logan, we'll get through this. This will be fun, in, in my opinion. So, all right. So Jesus tells us the kingdom of God is in us, not outside of us. If you're still praying to a God somewhere out there and not working in here, we've got the wrong God, we've got the wrong mode of prayer. Okay. So that's Luke 17, 21, where he says the kingdom's within you. And because the Jews were going, where is it? You know, it's not a physical kingdom. He goes, the, the kingdom is not going to come up by observation, meaning you won't be able to see it. And even in all the Old Testament prophecies and the types and shadows, it says God's presence is in the secret place of the Most High between the cherubim. And then we, as I've been sharing, what is that? And Paul and Jesus come tell us, they go, the cherubim is your divine mind. It's between the cerebrum of your mind. You can't see what goes on in there, but you'll see the effects. Doesn't scripture say that over and over? So where you meet him is not outside. It's not, it's within you. It's we're divine. We're the tabernacle of God. So so any prayer that's to a distant God uh, has to happen in here. So I think that's number one, why a lot of people struggle in prayer. It goes, listen, all the work has to be done in here. And it's not even work. It's really just realizing that as I, as I plant that seed, which is a thought, and if I can picture that in my mind's eye, what I, what I hold there, disregarding everything going on here that I can see with my physical eyes, this is as faith, there's no evidence to it, right? You can't see it, but ultimately it produces a harvest. So <clears throat> all things are possible to him who believes, Mark 9, 23. So I'm just trying to get all these concepts to you together. So if all things are possible and God's inside, and all things are possible to him, then how many things are possible to us? Should be all, if we're one with him. If the same glory that Jesus has, John 17, he goes, Father, make sure that they realize the same glory I had, I've given to them so that they'll realize we're one. Isn't that interesting? So, Mark, Matthew 13, 31, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Now, what's he trying to say here? It's like it. it doesn't, it's, a, it's a type and shadow. It's a parable, Right? And Jesus says this, he goes, without a parable I didn't teach because I wanted to fulfill that scripture they're ever hearing. They're hearing this message but not hearing it inside. And they're seeing the effects of Jesus and everything else, but they're not seeing who he really is. So he goes, I'm, I'm doing that parable. But then he tells us, uh, when the disciples go, we don't get it, what's going on? He explains the parable to them, what it is, right? So the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which man... <clears throat> took and planted in his field. Now, how big is a mustard seed? What he's trying to show is, like, you, can, you think you have nothing. You have a mustard seed. If the, like the littlest little thing, he goes, that's enough. So we're not trying to build anybody's faith, like read more, do more, this more, whatever. Really, you need to realize that your thoughts have the divinity within them to bring it to pass. 
It seems like nothing, like you have nothing. I don't have anything. I don't have capital. I don't know anybody. Uh, you know, like the gymnast that we've been sharing, I, I love that. She, she breaks her neck. She's a paraplegic. She goes, as I'm laying on the mat, I've started to think, what am I grateful for? She goes, I can still think. So I can still picture myself seeing myself jumping, flipping, etc., and feeling what it feels like to be a gymnast. And when the doctors are there, they're telling her, hey, you know what? You might get a little movement in your hand so you can do your wheelchair, etc. cetera. What, what do you want? They're asking her, they go, what do you want? She goes, I want to... Uh, I want to walk down the, the, I want to walk to my prom, which is in three weeks. Now, they're, they're going, the doctors are going, your spine severed. You might get a little motion back in a hand or something. Um, what are your expectations? I'm going to walk to my prom in three weeks. <laughs> is that a possibility? If all things are possible, is that a possibility? So she tells the doctor, stop telling me what's going on and stop asking me stupid questions. I can still see and feel what it feels like to jump, flip, etc. So that's what I'm going to focus on. And that she did it. That's pretty cool, isn't it? She took the mustard seed. Just to, It seems like nothing. You mean all I have is a thought? And I, I think this is the scripture perfectly. In our weakness, his strength is made complete. It's not by human effort. It's not by power. It's not by might. It's by the spirit. When we really get this, that's what he's trying to say. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. It's the smallest thing in the world. It seems like nothing is what he's trying to say. It's the smallest of seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so the birds come and perch in its branches. I've seen everybody try to like, interpret this. You know, the birds in the heaven. I'm like, no, I think he's just trying to show you that you take something that seems so, igni- so insignificant, but that seed in itself has the power to produce this massive harvest, this huge tree in the garden. You guys get it? And then he says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, how many things are available to you? Everything. So he's trying to say is like, you don't need a lot of faith. So this whole build it, do more, read more, fast more, etc. I just, I'm tired of it. It gets me tired thinking about it. But as I'm seeing all these testimonies and just teaching people, I go, what do you really want? See, he, he gives the next thing, Mark 4, when he explains to them, the disciples are going, we don't get this. We're, you're talking in parables. What are you actually saying? And then he goes, I'm going to tell you what this all means. And he tells them. He basically says the pair of the so. The parable of the sower to the disciples <clears throat> and says, you will understand every parable if you, under, if you understand this parable. But he also says in the negative, he says, if you don't understand this one, you're not going to understand anything I'm saying. And I find that's most people. So because they're, they're taking all these scriptures literally, etc., not understanding the kingdom, what he's really trying to say. So anyway, whatever seeds you plant in your heart, because your heart is like soil. Some people hear it and don't believe it. Some people hear it and believe a little bit, but then the cares of this age and everything else going on, they start seeing with their physical eyes. In today's world, I would say this, like when you're praying, I've been doing this for this long and it's not working. That's they don't have any root is what he's trying to say. So he goes, if you can just see it in your mind's eye and knowing that that seed has the power to produce in itself, ignoring everything out here, the cares of this age, Right? What you produce in here will come to pass. And you don't have to struggle for it. You don't have to pray harder. You don't have to do any of that. That's, a, that's an interesting one. Pray harder, right? We've got to pray hard on this one or whatever. I'm like, it's not by power of might, it's by the Spirit. And what are you going to add to the omnipotent power of God? What do we add to a seed? If, if He gives them such interesting things. So whatever seeds you plant in your heart will produce on its own, it says. Now, when the farmer plants the seed... 
what is he going to add to the seed? He did, the power in that seed has the power in itself. It's got the omnipotence of itself. We can't add to it, right? At least I don't think I can. But if I want a, a crop of apples, what do I want to plant? I get to choose what seed, right? If I'm a farmer, what, I get to choose whatever I want, right? And whatever I plant, am I confident that's going to happen? That's the kingdom. That's what he's trying to say. He's like, it's within. It's in your heart. You can take the littlest little thing. It seems like nothing. Just this thought. And if you plant that in your heart, that thought will produce a physical harvest. You get to choose what you want to plant. So if things are not going well in your life, what's the easiest thing in the world to do? Choose life. Plant a different seed, right? Isn't that what he's trying to say? And he goes, it'll seem like nothing. All this... This guy's crazy. People would go, wait, you're crazy. You got to invest and do all these things. He goes, no, I just pictured it in my mind. And all of a sudden, this, this, the guy comes up one day and goes, here, have this. Isn't that cool? I think that's cool. And we're starting to see it. I, I love this testimony where, where this, this lady, she's like, you know what? It happened. I've already got 22,000 came in. <laughs> it's just fun to me. It's fun stuff. So, I'm sorry, Robin, I, didn't, I, I, don't, I just forget who I pray with because I just expect it to happen. So I forget. Honestly, I meet people on the street all the time and go, hey, you prayed for me two years ago. And this happened. I go, really? I don't even remember that. Fire it up. That's exciting. I really don't. I don't remember because I just, I pray with it and I go, I go to sleep. We know not how, but the seed produces on its own. You can't add to it. So you don't have to struggle. You don't have to strain. Guys, you carry the divinity of God. That's what he's trying to say. Isn't that cool? All right, let's, let's go on to this next slide. I'm just, some of you guys know how I like to teach. I like to do it over and over and over because the only way, faith is supposed to be a natural thing to us. We're supposed to be creatures of faith. We don't have to build it, add to it. Science has shown whatever we repeat to ourselves, the words we repeat to ourselves and the images we repeat to ourselves, faith naturally bubbles up. That's how you do it. So that's really, you know, the scripture, we'd call it meditation. We, we, we roll over in our mind the same thought over and over and over until it, starts to become real to us. It just naturally comes up to us, right? So um, I just want to get this again because I think this is so cool. The scriptures say he's created man and given him dominion over physical things. says that, doesn't it? Meaning that we have authority over the physical. Now, some of you guys have probably heard if you grew up faith like me and all these different things, it's the same message, but he says this. He says, the spirit controls the physical, not the other way around. Does that make sense? And that's why I love the medicine, the, the medicineless hospital in China, why we're recreating that here, is because they just understood that what they create in their heart and mind, that the physical must respond to the field that was created. So I'm, I'm trying to make it in words that you don't really have to understand science, but that's where if you take... Um, uh, I should do this. I should get some metal filings. Your, your kids have all done this. I remember doing this in physics as a little kid where you take, a, you take metal filings on a piece of paper and you put a magnet here. Now, if we look at a magnet, you don't see any of the magnetized field, do you? Remember those pictures? It's got this. It's going from the top and the bottom. It's this magnetized field. So if you put that magnet underneath there and metal filings here, the metal filings go perfectly. They conform to the field. You can't see the field, but the physical responds to the field. Doesn't it sound like the secret of the kingdom of God? What you do in your prayer closet, the whole world's going to see. That's what he's trying to say. So this, the physical world conforms to the spirit is what he's trying to say. And that's why, the, the, that's why you see Jacob, Esau, all of the same stories. He didn't hate Esau or Jacob. What he's trying to say is 
the spirit man replaced the physical man. The, the spiritual mind, the mind of Christ, replaces your carnal, stinking thinking mind, right? It's, all, it's all really all the same story if you look at it. So anyway, <clears throat> the Hebrew word for imagination is potter, like a, uh, somebody who forms clay. Clay is earth, right? So the potter, if he wants to make a, he can choose if he wants to make a bowl or he can choose if he wants to make a, a pitcher or he can choose if he wants to make a glass, can he? Who gets to choose? The potter. And the potter forms the clay. And I just think this is so cool to me. So it says, when we read in Genesis 2, and there's, I could give you more scriptures, I just, for time, I want to just show you this again. The Lord God formed. That, that word formed is yatsar. It's, it's, the Hebrew, it's imagination. It's the Hebrew word for potter. And so to form or fashion a potter's authority over the clay. I thought that was a really interesting definition in Strong's. Yatsar means the potter has authority over the clay. And it says the Lord God had the basically formed man out of dust. He created us, right? And then what did he do to us? He ruached into us. He breathed the breath of life into to mankind. And so that Hebrew word yatsar is pretty interesting. It's three, the three letters, and it's that little cup with a, a dot. That's yod. And that means your hand or the ability to do work. <clears throat> Zod is that YZ looking thing. And the picture of it, see every Hebrew letter has a picture as well. So if you look at the picture of Zod, it's either your desire or a man laying down. Now, when I see a man laying down, I think somebody's doing what? Working hard? He's resting, right? I think he's resting. <clears throat> and then rest is the head. It's supposed to be that, like the back of my head. That's that picture. So I think this is beautiful. So the imagination, what you do in the secret place of the Most High, between the cherubim, that's where God is. That's where we meet him face to face. That's where the anointing is. That's where the... Almighty is, that's where his glory is, is within man, right? So the imagination forms and fashions the earth like a potter when man lays down resting using his head. That's really the Hebrew word. Isn't that cool? So what you do within, guys, is what you're going to see without. That's cool to me. I think it's cool. So you see all those old types and shadows, and then uh, I'm just trying to get us to think a little bit like a Jewish mind because I don't really think you can understand Scripture without it, to be honest with you. Even the New Testament, I, I think we miss it completely if we're not thinking in that context because he's writing it. It's written by mainly Jews to a Jewish audience for the most part, right? So is that neat? So even the old types and shadows, it says, you know what? The, the physical world is controlled by the spiritual world. Jacob is going to replace Esau. The hairy man, the carnal man, the, the Esau... The animal man, like I need to work and be a slave, is going to be replaced by the spiritual man, Jacob. The spiritual man, right? It says that's why I hated Esau and loved Jacob. He didn't really hate Esau. Like people are like, why did God hate Esau? He created him. He didn't. He's, it's a type and shadow. You, you got to understand this. Like he's talking in stories so you understand it, right? Could, could God hate any of his creation? No, no. So. That's where we get a little in trouble if we start tracking all the scriptures literally versus trying to go, what's he really saying here? What's this really all about? So does this help you? So the medicineless hospital, this is what's interesting. So if you're going to pray for, I, the, I love that example of that girl, the paraplegic, because I'm like, where did she learn this stuff? This is beautiful. You know, I, I'm trying to think, I'm putting myself in those shoes too. So if I just broke my neck and I can't feel myself, I'm not sure my first thought would be, oh, what am I grateful for? <laughs> I'm just being honest, right? My first thought would probably be, that's not good. This, something's not right, right? 
this, this could suck, right? And I'm working on myself trying to go, no, no, no. Faith, what you see in your mind's eye has nothing to do with the evidence out here, right? And the physical will be replaced by the spiritual. What I do within, in the presence of God, what I show him between the divine cherubim is going to be replaced here. So I just think it's awesome. So when she breaks her neck, she can't feel herself. The doctors go, you're a paraplegic. She didn't pray to God to heal her. This is huge. I want you to get this. That's how most people pray. Hey, I've got cancer. I've got this, whatever. Please, God, heal me. If you're perfect love, why don't you heal me? Isn't that how most people pray? Where is it? How come they're not doing it? What did she do? She saw herself. She goes, I still stop asking me all these questions and telling me everything that's wrong. I can still see, I can still see myself hopping, flipping, and I can still feel what it feels like. So she didn't come against this or spiritual warfare, bind and rebuke this, bind and rebuke that. If there's only one spirit, what are we binding and rebuking? Ourselves. It's it's that's why it says resist not evil. I mean, don't resist it. What are we supposed to do? Choose a different alternative. Choose life. Instead of telling me, hey, this is what's wrong, create a new mental image of who you are, a picture of who you are that's divine, and that will replace the current situation. That's what she did. Isn't that cool? And this, the physical must conform to the spirit, just like your imagination creates, just like a potter. So the earth, all of us here, and that's where it says... Um, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. Every message is the same. I'm just trying to come at it at a thousand angles. It says, what will happen on earth? And the, to the Jew, that meant anything you can see physically, anywhere man can go. And the heavens is where you can't see God, but that's where he is. And then he comes and tells us the heavens is in, in us, actually. But it uh, says, what, I've given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What you bind on earth or don't permit on earth is what's not being permitted already in the heavens. So meaning what you do within, if you go, no, Lord, you know what? I'm not a paraplegic. I'm going to choose life. I'm going to choose a different outcome. And I'm ignoring everything I see with my physical eyes because faith is, a, is, the, is the assurance of something with no physical evidence, right? Knowing that if I have faith as a mustard seed, if I can just simply picture what I want my life to look like as a potter, that'll form the physical. And honestly, Robin, I remember, I remember praying after, we, after you sent me the testament. I'm like, oh, yeah. I remember right here. I remember, can I touch you? And it was really tender. I said, you know what? It's, it's going to be fine. I see you totally. I think I even told you. I said, I see you telling me that everything's fine. And it all went away. And sure enough, you sent me a, and I forgot about it. I go to sleep. I know not how. But I trust that the seed has the omnipotent power in itself to bring it to pass. That's faith. Isn't that cool? I didn't work at it. I didn't shabba daba daba. I didn't do anything. Didn't bind the devil, none of that. Chose a different alternative. Choose life. Amen? You guys getting this? Does this help you? It actually gets a lot of, it gets fun. That's one of these testimonies. I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. I finally get it. I'm so dense. Took me all these years to get it. Now I finally get it. I finally get it. All right, let's, I think it's the last slide. I think, we're, I think we're good. All right, so how's the kingdom work? All these different scriptures. Jesus is going, it's within. It's like a seed, and it's like the tiniest seed. You don't have to have much of anything. Because in your weakness, the omnipotent power of your divinity within me, your, my strength is made complete in you when you're not trying to do it by human effort, right? So how does it work? 
I think you're getting this, but I'm trying to do it over and over and over. So I love that. So create an image in your mind. It may seem like you have nothing. Just like this testimony, no capital, no connections, no education. I think that hinders a lot of people. If you don't go to school or don't do this, don't do that. I, I remember, and I'm not telling you to do anything to go to school, not to go to school. I just remember thinking, this, this was just me growing up. Some of you guys have heard my testimony. My parents were educators. And so I was just expected to get good grades. And my mom was like, you get straight A's. It wasn't optional. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. I thought, I honestly thought everybody did that. Because I was like, I, well, everybody gets straight A's because my mom told me you have to. I'm like, okay. And I just accepted it as fact. It's like, well, that's what you do. And because I believed that, that's what happened. Now, people, I, I'm not very smart. I'm really not. It's just, it works. It's a fascinating thing. And so, I, but I remember this strange thing because I remember my mom going, you know what, you got to go to school and you got to get this education, then you got to get this, and then you, can, then you can have a good job and a career and all this stuff, right? I just remember, I'm from a little farm town in Iowa, and I remember looking around going, all these farmers and all these business guys have way more money than all the educated people I know. And half of them, my mom's a teacher, so I had to know what a dangling participle and all this stuff was. Like how... And I love these guys. They're who I grew up with. So it was a very vivid picture to me. And I go, they dangling participle. They don't know... They don't know what that is from Adam, I promise you. They, don't, they can't put together a, a, a grammatical sentence. My mother would correct them. You know, it would be like, uh, what's, what were some of the things that she would correct me? Um, oh, I can't think of anywhere right now. But I remember growing up going, what does that have to do with anything? And I'm like, you know what? I might know a dangling participle, but we can't even pay for our car to be put back together. These guys can't put a grammatical sentence together, but they're very wealthy. I choose that. <laughs> As I was growing up, I even wrote that in my application to the Air Force Academy. Like, you know what? I, I just, I, I thought, I was taught this is the answer, so here's why I'm coming. I wish I had this great, man, you know, I want to serve my country, all that kind of stuff. I was like, you know what? I just, I just don't want to be the average, and I don't want to be uh, normal, and I have a fear of just being average and not living life to the fullest, and I was taught this is where you come if you want to do that, so that's why I'm here. That's it. And people always go, would you do it again? No way, because I know how to do this stuff now. Like, why would I march to breakfast for a whole year? Just no, I'm not going to do that. It's just, sorry, I'm not going to do that again. Would you do it again? No. Now, if you're there and you're already going or thinking going, it's great. You come out with no debt. It's, it's a wonderful thing. But you do have to know calculus. So, so it's a, <laughs> all right. What did those, in my example, what did those farmers, those business owners have? They had belief. They had belief. They, hey, I'm a business guy. Business guys make a lot of money. This is how we do it. That's just how, that's what they believed. And it's really a fascinating thing. You know, I take my kids there and, and I remember the first time they're like, what is that smell? I'm like, that's a farm. <laughs> that's how I grew up. This is, that's the smell of money is what we would always say. So anyway, <clears throat> um, I'm going to get you a fly. I was looking up flying corn cobs the other day because I was watching the Iowa game. It's all pioneer seed now. There's hardly any DeKalb. What's up with that? I don't know. It's a, I was irritated, actually. So I had to go check to see if DeKalb was still in business, but they are. Just all, every, all the Iowa games and Iowa State games is all pioneer seed now. We've got to fix that. 
I'm going to start imagining the DeKalb flying corn cob. Maybe that's why they, they were too embarrassed to put a flying corn cob on the basketball field. All <laughs> the like, people in Iowa think that's humorous. So, like, how do corn cobs fly? I don't know. It's the kingdom of God. Virgins give birth, walk on water. You guys understand that? It's like, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get myself out of total practicality. Because the kingdom is totally impractical if we read at it, right? That's what he's trying to say. You got this littlest thing. It looks like nothing, but somehow that seed has the power to be the biggest tree in the garden. How does that happen? We don't know. That's the mystery, right? But he goes, that's how the kingdom works. Whatever you put there, it'll seem like nothing. I have nothing. But if I can simply, what do I want my life to look like? And picture that in my mind. That has the omnipotent power of God in itself to bring it to pass. I know not how. And if I need to do something, if, the, if other people need to be connected, whatever it needs to happen, it'll all line up. I, that's why I love Bill. I, I think about Steve Jobs, you know, where his parents wanted to be an engineer, etc. So he drops out of engineering school. Now, this is for you parents. He drops out of the in, engineering school, and he starts taking calligraphy. <laughs> now, what would we think as parents? I have all this money. I put all this money into this school. And you dropped out. And what do they call it when you're not actually taking the class? You're just sitting in it? Audit. He goes, you're auditing calligraphy? You don't even credit for this stupid thing? As a parent, what do we do? Go out of here. Right? My mom would freak, right? She would have. Like, you did what? Michael Ray. I can just picture it now. But then he tells you. And if you haven't listened to it recently, go watch Steve Jobs' graduation address to Stanford University. He tells this story. And he says, you know what? He basically says, imagination is more powerful than what you're learning right here. And he says, the only reason that uh, you can only connect the dots looking backwards. It's the secret of the kingdom of God. He, he was just following his heart. He's going, you know what? I think I'm supposed to look at choreography. And the reason he did that now, he goes, oh, that's why we have fonts on Apple. Before it was DOS, remember that? Just ugly looking thing. That's why I programmed you, Fortran and. Oh, yeah. yeah, me too. Yeah, all of it. Me too. What a waste of time. So, all right. So, how does the work, kingdom of God work? Can you create an image in your mind? That's the secret place of the Most High, isn't it? All this guy had was a picture that he wanted to be a magnificent businessman. And he, for day and night, for two years, he just pictured himself as a magnificent businessman. And what happens? A guy comes out of the blue and says, hey, I want to do this for you. And it's worth millions and millions of dollars later. Isn't that cool? That's the mustard seed which turns into the biggest thing. So it may seem like you have nothing, no capital, no connections, no education. That's what I was getting at there. I was like, you, don't, you know what? I'm not against education, etc. I'm telling my kids, I go, unless you want to be a, a surgeon or something that requires it, the most important thing I could ever teach you is right here. Because you can produce anything you desire because you carry the glory of the Father, right? So... It will produce just like the mustard seed. We don't know how. We go to sleep, but somehow that omnipotent power of God is in that seed and is contained in it and it produces. That's what I want you to get. All this girl did, hey, I'm not, like, if you're going to a doctor, et cetera, please do what the doctor tells you to do. That's just, do that. But at the same time, what I really want you to do is not try to get healed, see yourself as already healed. Not asking God to heal you, seeing yourself as already whole, knowing that that picture of yourself already whole will produce. Does that help? That's faith. That's faith. That's really all it is. And so decide exactly what your life to look like. And so we'll do the Christmas service, etc. Then I really want to, uh, I think I'm going to do Think and Grow Rich again at the beginning of the year because tons of people online have been asking me to do it again. And I want to do it with my kids again. 
Just the title is beautiful to me. So decide exactly what you want your life to look like. The secret, he gives them easy things. It's like a, it's like a, a, a farmer. So if I want a crop of wheat, what do I plant? A little tiny wheat seed. And this is how the kingdom is. He says, that little seed somehow knows how to produce the, this magnificent harvest. You plant it in here in the secret place where you can't see and what's unseen will become seen. Jesus' message is the same over and over and over. He just tells it in different ways. So let your imagination run free. This is where I think most people, they get unrealistic. I mean, they get realistic, right? So if I go, hey, what do you really want? Almost immediately, people start going, they start evaluating what they think they already have. Well, I've got this, I've got that. I've got this education, I've got this connections, I've got this capital, whatever it is. You've already limited yourself. Does that make sense? So if all things are possible and your heart and mind are divine gifts so we can freely receive the inheritance and our inheritance is how much of the world? All creation is what it says. So that's why to me I love the Hubble telescope and he's like, as we see these magnificent galaxies and we can't even fathom how big it is, he goes, all of that's within you. (laughs) That potential. Everything that I have you're a joint heir with me, and I've already given it to you as your inheritance as a son. Now take dominion over it, right? It doesn't come by praying harder, reading the Bible more, etc. It comes by knowing who you are, that you're a son. Jesus has given him pretty simple messages. It's like you plant a seed. So if you want something different in your life, like this, this, this girl, the facts were you're a paraplegic, wasn't it? So her two physical eyes, all of her senses would say, you're a paraplegic. But she's got something better. She's got the kingdom of God. She goes, nope, I can still see and feel. That's awesome to me. Whatever I can see and feel has the power in itself to produce. Really the whole thing is, can I believe what I picture in here will become real? That's all faith is. If you can just simply accept that as fact, it comes. We know not how, we know not when, but it comes. That's cool to me. So now we can start lifting the lid and go, if you can have anything you want, let your mind just run wild. Don't worry about where it's going to come from, how it's going to happen, etc. We know not how. That's the thing. He brings it in ways we don't know, right? Doesn't say that? If you can't tell me how a, a, a wheat seed is or a corn seed, how they work, which you can't. I remember being in pre-med. We were trying to do all that, and the professors were making fools out of themselves. Like, nobody can tell you how it works. They can tell you the effects of it, but they can't really tell you where, how that power of God comes out of that seed. It's a mystery to me. It's awesome to me. But guess what? I've set before you life and death. You can choose the harvest you want. So you can start seeing exactly how you want your life to look, regardless of every, any physical evidence, and it comes to pass. Is that cool? That's really prayer. So as you go to sleep and rise, what you, what you desire in your mind's eye. See what you desire in your mind's eye. What do I want? And if, if my eye be single, my whole body is going to be full of light, right? Not my eyes double, not seen with my physical eyes, what I see within, because the kingdom's within. So all the work has to be inside. Is that pretty self-explanatory now as I'm hammering it? I'm just trying to hammer it so you get it. Oh, and somebody, another lady just sent me a testimony. She's like, Mike, I finally got it. What I see in my mind, I realize that I already have it. I'm not waiting for it to manifest. Because I, I hear a lot of that language. I've done this for X amount of months, and it hasn't manifested yet. She caught it. She's like, the minute I see it, I have it. That's it. And you're not looking for it. 
are wondering where it's going to come because you already possess it. Knowing that the seed has the power of producing in itself. That, that's really all faith is. I believe I'm persuaded of something even though I don't have the physical evidence yet. But I know what I see in my mind's eye is going to come to pass. So choose life. What do you want to choose? Now it gets fun, right? So I'm just trying to rip the, the limits off myself too and the governors off myself and go, man, if all things are possible, so this, this widow... Is it possible for her to make more money now that her husband's not making money? That's a possibility, isn't it? And she's doing it. We know not how. She couldn't tell you how. It's just coming in. Isn't that cool? But she's chosen to believe that. She, has, she was guts enough to believe that. Because all reason would go, that's silly. That's ridiculous. That, that won't happen. Ah, now you just violated the kingdom. Does this help? It's helping me if it's not helping you. I'm getting excited about it. So, <laughs> so you, what you see in your mind's eye is the seed. If you can accept that that is real. What I, what I show God, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears everything we ask of him, we have. That's one John. Isn't that cool? So you don't need any external evidence. That's just this is where people mess up. Where is it? No, what you see in your mind's eye is more real. It'll give reality. It'll take it from the unseen to the seen. That's what he says in Romans. So you don't need any external evidence. The seed itself contains the omnipotent power of God. It's not a struggle. You can't add to the seed. You don't have to work for it. It's not by power, by might. It's the spirit. Now, I'm saying, not saying you're lazy, but what will happen is you'll be inspired to do things. But it's really what you believe here. I've seen a lot of people work really hard and don't have it. I've seen a lot of people, when they believe, then they work hard. And receive it. Does that help? All right, you can get to your feet. So, he came to give us life and life more abundantly. Is that, isn't that what he said? So he says, I came to, I didn't come to judge you or condemn you. I came to give you life. So if somebody gives you something, what, what's our job on that side, the other side? Receive it, right? So when we pray, this is what I'm trying to get. Prayer is not to an external God. Prayer is not moving God. Like somehow, please God, heal me. Please God, bless me financially. Please God, do this. Please God, do that. He's like, no, the kingdom is within. Everything, I've given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything I have is yours. You're a joint heir of Jesus Christ. So real prayer is simply agreeing with what's already mine. It's receiving what's already mine. Does that make sense? So if everything's already yours and you could choose any possibility, would it make more sense to choose abundance over lack? Yeah, so choose that. Well, I don't know how. I don't have the education. No, no, no. You see what you want your life to look like. What does it look like? And just hold that in your mind's eye and it'll materialize. If you need a health thing, you don't pray to heal that disease, that disease, whatever. Please, God, I'm doing everything. I'm, I'm even eating kale today. Whatever. Hey, you know who you are? Just a, a, a lady, she's like, I just ate a cookie or something like that today because she couldn't eat anything. And I was like, I promise you, your body will respond to what you tell it to do. From, from, from this day forward, you go, dog on it, I can eat a stupid cookie and I'm going to feel good about it. And she goes, I ate a cookie and didn't get sick. I'm like, praise God, man. Not quite the, the chili cheese dog, but we'll get there. So... <laughs> That's, yeah, you can, I swear to God, I've helped so many people with this, with allergies and everything else. Once you finally get it, like, wait a minute, I'm in control of this earth suit, right? I'm not trying to get health from out here. Health comes from within. 
I am whole. I can eat whatever I want, doggone it. Yeah, you can. Right? Is that gluten? I don't know. What is in it? I don't really care what's in it. So I just do it. Amen? Why would he make all these beautiful drinks and foods, etc., and give us taste buds if he didn't want us to enjoy it? Stop being John the Baptist, man. You're supposed to, he came in a hairy suit eating locusts and, and honey. And Jesus says, as great as he is, every one of you are greater than him and you can drink milk and honey. No locust, no, no stupid hairy suit. That's what all that's types and shadows of. That's what it's about, right? That's why Nebuchadnezzar thought he was a slave and had to work to please God. He's like, no, sons, put the ring on, put the coat on, put the slippers back on, come into the house and enjoy everything I've freely given you. Amen? So what can you believe? It's your choice. Just know that it'll produce. Amen? Ah, Father, we just love you. We praise you. Oh, man. Just let us all get deep in our heart that we're sons, we're daughters, we're perfectly loved. You see us as complete, nothing lacking, whole, healthy, abundant. Everything you have has been freely given to us. And we can just choose. We can choose life. We get to choose what we plant in our heart, knowing that that carries the omnipotence of God. It's not any harder than that. A child can get it. A child can understand, if I want wheat, I plant the wheat seed. If I want corn, I plant the corn seed. If I want abundance, I see myself as abundant. If I want health, I see myself as healthy. If I want a beautiful, loving marriage, I see it as exactly how I want it. Not trying to fix the husband, not trying to fix the wife. I see what I desire. And it'll come to pass. We know not how. It's just the magnificent power of God that you've given all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. If you need prayer, come on up. Oh, offering. Yeah, I just, I forget. <laughs> if you want to give, as he tells us, he goes, it's the same God. It's the same God that if you see me just as providing your needs, that'll be me. But if you see me as this abundant, overflowing, wealthy God that has more than enough to give, knowing that as I'm giving to the body, it's giving to myself, it always flows back overflowing like a seed. That's really what it's all about. So Father, just let us really realize that you give every one of us, and you want us to share Jesus' life, that as we give, we see it multiplying back. And what we see in our heart produces. So Father, we just thank you for that magnificent thing that's reaching people all over the world right now with results, tangible results. Their lives are being healed. That's sozo. That's salvation. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.